This is the Epilog Audio Experience. The language and content on this podcast may be unsuitable for certain audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to History Chatter. This is Anirban and today is October the 2nd. Now, Shastri, who was the second prime minister of India, does not have many biographies devoted to his life and times. Moreover, the mystery surrounding his sudden death while in office has given rise to many conspiracy theories. Some of these theories later inspired popular films. The man was indeed somewhat unlucky. As a prime minister, he was overshadowed by the larger-than-life memories of his immediate predecessor, Jawaharlal Nehru. In terms of his birth date, he lost out in retrospective annual memorializing to Mahatma Gandhi, who shared the same date of birth. Yet, he had been a competent, honest and decisive leader in his own right. It is high time that we recall this special leader for what he had actually accomplished. Last year, I did an episode on the last six months of the life of Mahatma Gandhi. So this year, let us get to know the other major Indian leader born on this date. Shastri's biographer, Shri P. Srivastava, began his book on Shastri with three memories of his legendary humility and courtesy. Srivastava had gone to meet Shastri on a prior appointment which had to be cancelled at the last moment. Shastri had been the home and transport minister of the state of Uttar Pradesh at the time. He was the number two in the government. He was rushing out. When his secretary mentioned Srivastava, who had been patiently waiting at a distance, Shastri himself walked towards him and greeted with folded hands. Shivasava was overwhelmed with a sense of gratitude. And I quote, A cabinet minister greeting with folded hands, a junior civil servant, unquote, was a gesture unimaginable at the time. Two years later, when Shastri was the central minister for railways, he once again surprised Shivasava, this time at Delhi railway station, by going up to him and introducing himself. They had not met since that brief encounter. Shivasava had seen Shastri, but did not approach him out of deference, assuming that the busy leader would not remember their cursory meeting two years ago. Still later, when Shivasava used to work as Shastri's secretary, the latter once had to miss a meeting with Prime Minister Nehru on account of a lapse in coordination by his staff. Shivastava anticipated a dressing down, but Shastri let him off kindly enough. Shivastava's biography of Shastri therefore portrays him as a man of integrity, honor, and kindness who held high standards and always worked hard to meet them in action. Shastri was born on October the 2nd, 1904, in the town formerly known as Mughal Sarai, in what would become the modern state of Uttar Pradesh. His father, Sharada Prasad, was a school teacher in Allahabad, 
which is now known as Prayagraj. His forefathers worked for a princely state. It was a lower middle class family of petty service holders. He had a hard childhood. His father passed away. He died of plague when he was only 18 months old, when Shastri was only 18 months old. His childhood was spent in his mother's paternal family. His early education was carried out under the tutelage of a Maulavi. Soon enough, he developed a fondness for Urdu literature and particularly for the poems of Mirza Ghalib. Even as a child, he developed a great strength of will. Once he had sat on a hunger strike when his maternal uncle, who had been the head of the family, went back on his word that he would not kill a bird for food. After he had asked the boy Lal Bahadur to catch the bird since it escaped from the cage, Lal Bahadur had caught it on the understanding that it would not be killed for meat. As a student of standard six, he had resolved to drop his surname Verma since he did not believe in caste distinction. So when did the title Shastri was added to his name? We'll wait for that story. The family later moved to Mughal Sarai and Banaras. When Lal Bahadur resumed his studies, he was mentored by a nationalist teacher called Niskameshwar Mishra. Mishra taught young Lal Bahadur to develop an interest in his surrounding, monuments, architecture, flowers, gardens, and so on. He taught uh, a young boy in Mishra's family. He offered tuition, but he would not accept any payment. Mishra later paid a lump sum to Lal Bahadur's mother after some years. At the time, India had been undergoing several political changes. These were the years between 1917 and 1921. Mishra took special classes for his favorite pupils. He inculcated a nationalist sensibility among them, analyzing the evils of the British rule and exposing them, the students, to the rising tide of nationalist mobilization. Lal Bahadur read widely on um, the nationalist literature and also on um, the Arya Samaj movement as it developed under Dayanand Saraswati since the 1870s. Along the way, he prepared for his life to be sacrificed for the cause of India's independence. At the same time, he was devoted to his studies. He was a rather uh, poor boy and wished to secure an employment at the earliest to relieve his mother from the responsibility to run a fairly large family. He had heard Gandhi and Malviya together in Banaras in January 1920. Gandhi called for the students to leave school and college at once and to join the national movement, the non-cooperation movement that is. But Malviya said, even though he himself would join at once, Younger students should not forget their responsibility to their parents. Young Lal Bahadur was in two minds. After all, he was only three months away from his school level exams. He was only 16 at the time. He spoke about his dilemma to his family. Elders were in favor of his continuing his education. 
His mother said, should be with him in whatever he chose, as long as his conscience supported the choice. He thought through the whole night, and the next morning he had his name struck off from the school register. He was now to become a full-time volunteer for the Congress. He would now carry out non-cooperation activities, such as picketing shops and attending demonstrations. He was arrested soon enough, but released shortly. He had by now resolved to devote himself fully to the cause of independence. He came in close contact with Acharya Yebi Kripalani, who had set up a Gandhi ashram in Banaras and been aggressively promoting Khadi. Lal Bahadur, along with some friends, now became enthusiastic missionaries of the Khadi movement. But Kripalani was also um, keen to ensure that these young boys resumed their education, though it was to be a nationalist education this time. When Kashi Vidyapeet was launched in early 1921, Lal Bahadur enrolled for the philosophy course. While he was there in Kashi Vidyapeet between 1921 and 25, he came under the spell of Dr. Bhagawan Das. Lal Bahadur took special interest in literature in English, Hindi and Urdu, in which he had his early education. Debates and discussions were an important part of the pedagogy at the Vidya Pit. Lal Bahadur would be an active participant. His interventions were always gentle but firm, and his conclusions invariably accommodative. He was a quiet man, but certainly not a recluse. He was quite friendly, as a matter of fact, and would joke often, but mostly at his own expense. By 1925, he passed the Shastri exam in the first division, writing a thesis on the philosophy of Bhagawan Das. From now on, he would be known as Lal Bahadur Shastri. He was a full-time volunteer of the Congress since then. Soon, he would come in touch with Lala Lajpat Rai in Lahore. Lajpat Rai had been looking at the time to form a band of what may be loosely called nationalist missionaries, that is, full-time activists for the cause of nationalism without any interest in worldly rewards. He called his organization Servants of People Society. Shastri was assigned the charge of Achyut Uddhar Samiti in Muzaffarnagar district. He did so well, in fact, that he, in 1930, he was inducted as a life member of the society. His work focused on welfare for women and children and on adult literacy. He was now making about 50 or 60 rupees a month and it brought some stability to his life. There was some crisis in the society after the sudden death of Lajpat Rai in 1928. He was not only the life force of the organization, but also its chief benefactor. Purushottam Das Tandon now took over. 
but he would operate not from Lahore, but from Allahabad. Lal Bahadur was to walk directly under him. While in Allahabad, Lal Bahadur was elected a member of the municipal board. It offered an opportunity for a different kind of public service, this time as an administrator and public servant. Later, in 1965, Shastri would be the president of the society. But um, I need now to move towards another contemporary phase in Shastri's life, which um, reveal the details of his capacity to build consensus and walk with completely different personality. Early in January 1929, Shastri was still a probationary member of the Servants of the People Society. He was walking with Purushottam Das Tandon in Allahabad. Tandon was a respected Congress leader and also president of the Allahabad District Congress Committee. Shastri could not have hoped for a better mentor. Tendon was very nearly a replica of Lajpat Rai. Burning patriotism, the same resolve, and the same belief in moral values. Dedication to hard work in the service of the country animated both of them equally. Shastri, um, who cast himself in the same mode, believed in moderation, however, and reconciliation rather than strong expression of views which might seem partisan. Tandon entrusted Shastri with tasks involving work in rural areas of Allahabad district, which Shastri uh, did to Tandon's satisfaction. Tandon discovered many of Shastri's virtues, in particular his capacity for tireless work to tight schedules. Soon Tandon developed a great favor for Shastri. Indeed, he was affectionate now towards Shastri. Now, at the same time, Shastri came in touch with Jawaharlal Nehru. So the office of All India Congress Committee was functioning at the time from Swaraj Bhavan, a building which was donated to the Congress party by the Nehru family. Shastri worked as a staff member in the All India Congress Committee office. Nehru noticed a young man with the dignified and unobtrusive manner. Nehru was then the president of the city congress committee, and he was looking for some assistance himself. He gave a number of assignments to Shastri, and they were completed with the usual thoroughness and uh, detail. And the reports on these were presented in a neat and methodical manner. Nehru was very impressed. When Nehru became the Congress president in 1929, he had to carry out a great deal of correspondence in writing. He would often ask Shastri to help him. As is well known, Nehru was not uh, interested in listening to excuses. He wanted results and was pleased with Shastri's total dedication of mind and heart. While assisting Nehru, Shastri maintained his close association with Tandon. Now, Nehru and Tendon, however, did not get on too well with each other. In fact, they were poles apart on crucial political and social matters. To serve both Nehru and Tendon at the same time, to secure and keep their trust was a difficult task. Nehru and Tendon both had strong views, 
Both were men of strong likes and dislikes, and both were unwilling to make compromises. Nehru, of course, knew well that Shastri was very close to Tandon, and Tandon knew equally well that um, Shastri was close to Nehru. But both had complete confidence in the loyalty and objectivity of Shastri. It often happened that Nehru would have a need to write to, to Tandon, and he would call for Shastri to draft these communications. Likewise, Tandon would receive those communications and uh, urge Shastri to draft his reply. In this way, Shastri himself maintained a very cordial relationship with Tandon and Nehru at the same time. The year 1929 was indeed important in Shastri's life. It was um, beginning of his um, long stay in Allahabad to work with Tandon and also um, with Nehru. In 1930, of course, Nehru... Um, when he was president of the Indian National Congress, continued to hold the offices of the president of the Allahabad City Congress Committee and vice president of the Allahabad District Congress Committee. Nehru was the rising star and Shastri would be his shadow all the time. This is from this time that Nehru and Shastri walked uh, as colleagues hand in hand, and both of them developed a relationship of complete trust and confidence in one another. Later, when Nehru would be the prime minister, Shastri would invariably take over as the home minister, which of course led finally to his succeeding Nehru as the second prime minister of India. That, of course, is a long story for which we do not have adequate time in this episode. But the bit that we did have time for in this episode, the bits about Shastri's early life, his education and career, early phase of his career in Allahabad as a Congress volunteer and activist, is persuasive enough for us to see that here was a man who was devoted, honest, hardworking, and maintained very high standards of integrity at the same time as he placed great emphasis on moderation and consensus building. These qualities and values would hold Shastri and India in great stead later in the 1965 war with Pakistan, which India won its distinction. So there um, it is, the small episode on this October the 2nd, on the second prime minister, on the early life of the second prime minister of India, Lal Bahadur Shastri. Next week, of course, We'll return to the second episode of our Kutub Minar podcast. Till then, I'm looking forward to seeing you again. This is Onirban signing off. Do please subscribe and let us know what you like and what you'd like included in History Chatter. Bye-bye.